This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the month. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au in the policy section under Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy. And with me today, as usual, to discuss the key aspects of this latest report, I'm speaking with Stephen Smith, Head of National Workplace Relations Policy at AI Group, and I'm Tony Melville, AI Group's Head of Communications. So we'll just talk of three issues in this much larger report today. Uh, The first is the Mondelez case on personal carer's leave. The second is religious freedoms, which is a, a new bill which is coming before the parliament after the current break, and the third is the Queensland public holiday on Christmas Eve, which is a representation of what's happening in other states as well. So first of all, Steve, um, welcome. We Hi. have uh, the, uh, this has been in the news quite a lot and is of great interest to many businesses across the country, and that's the federal court's decision on personal carers' leave accruals. So this is all about uh, what 10 days paid personal leave means, and it could have potentially big implications across the country, as I say. But perhaps if you could explain the uh, the core argument and what happened. Yes, well, the Fair Work Act states that people are entitled to 10 days of paid personal carers' leave a year. And uh, the issue in this case was for 12-hour shift workers... Uh, were they entitled to, under the Fair Work Act, two weeks of leave? Um, you know, they're 38-hour weeks, so that would be 76 hours of paid personal carers' leave, or as the union argued, uh, 10 12-hour days being 120 hours of personal carers' leave. Uh, now, it was a split decision of the full federal court. One judge uh, accepted the argument that it should be 76 hours of personal carers' leave. The other two judges uh, thought it should be 120 hours of personal carers' leave. The the two judges that have taken that view have adopted an interpretation that is outside of very widespread uh, industry practice. And this decision, if it stands, will cause uh, huge uh, problems for a very large number of employers. So what sort of money would be involved for an individual company if they had to pay this back pay? And and what sort of back pay would they have to pay? Well, courts can award up to six years of back pay under the Fair Work Act, but it is a very complicated thing uh, to go back, of course, and work out what the implications would be in the past. But the key thing about this case is the meaning of the Fair Work Acts and 10 days of personal carers' leave is, in AI Group's view, uh, very clear. You know, what the intent was, it was very clear because the explanatory memorandum for the legislation has examples uh, uh, saying that uh, people are entitled to 76 hours regardless of what uh, particular shifts they work. So um, it is a very problematic decision, um, any application that might be made for special leave to appeal the decision to the High Court needs to be made by the 18th of September. And of course, uh, that uh, that is a decision for, uh, for Mondelez, the 
a relevant employer in the case. Okay. So uh, what should a company be doing now? Obviously, this has been a federal court decision, so it's it stands as it stands now. But should a company be now rushing to look at its books and react in terms of what the findings of the federal court decision were? Well, I would think that a lot of employers will be looking at that date of the 18th of September and uh, on that date it will be clear uh, whether or not uh, an application has been made to appeal the decision to the High Court. You know, of course, employers can't ignore um, federal court decisions, um, but, but of course um, decisions can be uh, reviewed by higher courts and uh, you know, that is the relevant date to uh, know whether or not the, this decision will be the subject of an application for uh, special leave to appeal. In, in the High Court? In the High Court. So once that appeal, if it happens, starts, then a company is then within its rights to say, we are now waiting to see the outcome of the High Court appeal before taking serious action. Well, it is a federal court decision where, which has been handed down, a split decision, but a, a decision of the full federal court, and that can't be ignored, of course. But this is a, an issue that has very significant implications for employers. The Australian government intervened in the case and pursued the same arguments that Mondelez pursued. So uh, it, it is a, a very big issue for employers. Okay. And um, I, I don't want to open up something separate, but if the appeal didn't happen, could there be a, some sort of separate appeal that either the Commonwealth started or some other company started? The other issue with this is, of course, you know, the possibility of legislative change. Yep. But you know, that is the key date, the 18th yep. of September. It's not far away. And, uh, and that's the, the date when at least the outcome of the court cases about this matter will be, be known. Uh, what the government might choose to do beyond that is, uh, is by no means clear. But so members can look at this latest brief, latest significant workplace relations issues brief, and there's a lot more information in there. But of course they can call workplace lawyers and the workplace advice line for further information. And the second item we wanted to talk about today, the second of three, is about a new exposure draft of a new bill on religious freedoms. And looking at this bill, everyone will be thinking of Israel Folau and what's happened with Rugby Australia. Uh, but the government has it, its much broader ramifications than that. Uh, but Steve, you've been looking at this bill just in the last day or so. And what does it mean for workplaces? What is the bill, first of all, and what would it mean for workplaces? Yes, there, there are in fact three bills, but the main one that employers would be concerned about or interested in is the religious discrimination bill. You know, we've got four federal acts dealing with areas of discrimination that have been around for quite a long time. This would uh, implement a, a fifth piece of legislation if this bill became law. You know, we've got the uh, Race Discrimination Act, the uh, Sex Discrimination Act, the Age Discrimination Act, the Disability Discrimination Act. And this is one about religious discrimination. Where an exposure draft has been released and submissions have been called for and uh, those submissions must be in by the 2nd of October, but it will have some significant implications for employers. So just looking at it, it's going to have 
potentially detailed requirements on employers to respect conduct rules, um, and different practices could be imposed. So um, standards of dress, appearance of employees could come into that as well. I guess that comes to things like head coverings or display of religious, you might want to wear a, a, um, a cross to work or the like. So all these sort of things could be brought up in it and caught up in it. Yes, well, what it would do, it would prevent employers implementing conduct rules that were seen as unreasonable in the context of religious freedoms. And uh, there are detailed provisions in the legislation about what would be seen as unreasonable. So if an employer imposed a condition, a requirement or a practice, say through a code of conduct or a company policy or a term of an employment contract, then that would need to be reasonable. And the bill lists various factors that would be taken into account in whether the requirement was reasonable. And it gives the example of a, a food uh, manufacturing plant where uh, a person might be required to wear certain clothing for food preparation. And as long as that was for food safety requirements, that would be fine. But another employer that was imposing a requirement relating to clothes that was not seen as reasonable uh, would uh, potentially offend this uh, uh, piece of uh, legislation if it was implemented. Now, there are some more onerous provisions that would apply to businesses that have an annual revenue of at least 50 million. And uh, certain employer conduct rules for those large businesses would be uh, on the surface seen as unreasonable unless the employer could show that uh, they are reasonable. And these are, are rules that would have the effect of restricting or preventing employees from making a statement of belief at a time when the employee is not at work. Um, if they very, make very a, broad, isn't it? Yes, if they made a, uh, a statement of belief uh, outside of the workplace, then it would be seen as unreasonable for the employer to stop that unless uh, there was unjustifiable financial hardship imposed on the employer. Uh, that wouldn't apply where an employer rule was aimed at restricting statements that are malicious or intended to avoid harassment or vilification or hatred, uh, those sorts of things. Well, that's it. I mean, it does... You immediately think of examples like a business that's been prominent in the same-sex marriage debate and it's within... They, they do it because within their workplace they want to encourage diversity and discrimination and they don't want any discrimination in the workplace. Mm. But then one of the employees goes online very vehemently opposed and in a, in a, even in an aggressive way. But they may, may be stopped from doing anything about that employee by the sound of it, the one that's doing the anti-same-sex uh, marriage stuff. Yes, unless it met those criteria. Damage criteria. You know, serious financial harm to the business or the, the, the statement was aimed at vilifying or harming someone else, then there are certainly significant restrictions imposed on what policy an employer could have uh, in those circumstances. But there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before we see that, no doubt, and will be uh, argued out in the media before we see the final act going to Parliament. 
Yes, well, submissions will be lodged by the 2nd of October. We'll put in a detailed submission uh, analysing the provisions as they relate to employers, highlighting relevant uh, uh, concerns that, that we may have uh, on some of the detail and, uh, and then uh, the government will take into account all the feedback they've received and will introduce a bill into Parliament, either this one or an amended version of it. Stay tuned. Okay, now the third and the last of the three items we're looking at today, it's the, as we often call it, the bread and circuses provisions of the governments. Governments like to give bread and circuses, and in this case, the Queensland government wants to give a Christmas Eve public holiday. So they've started a, a consultation progress uh, process which we're vehemently opposing. So it's a new holiday between 6pm and midnight on Christmas Eve. So tell us about that and what are the implications? Yes, well, this is a proposal of the Queensland Government. There's a, a consultation process going on about it at the moment. Submissions are due by uh, the beginning of September. Um, you know, it, it sounds as though uh, the Government is of the view that this is not going to cost a lot of money, given the statements that the Government is making. They, they're using examples of restaurants and so on, and the fact that employers could simply put up the cost of uh, products uh, on, that, on that night. But that, of course, is not the end of this uh, issue. There are a very large number of businesses that have to operate on Christmas Eve. Essential services, hospitals, airlines, you know, restaurants, uh, production vast, manufacturers and production yeah. lines that have to run overnight. Over, overnight. Yes, continuous uh, operation, uh, machinery and so on. And it, it will be extremely costly for those employers to have to pay um, you know, the typical double time and a half for that period when uh, they may be paying, say, a 15% shift loading in ordinary circumstances for periods up to midnight. You know, this is just another example of a uh, state government implementing another public holiday in a, a populist way, but it, it creates more, un, uh, you know, uh, uncertainty and, and more uh, irregularity around public holidays nationally. Some states now have up to 15 public holidays a year, and they often fall on different days. It's very disruptive for businesses that operate in different states. And, and, and in uh, different years when Christmas Day falls on different days, those government also say, oh, they're missing their Christmas Day holiday, let's give them another one just this year. But this would be an ongoing thing, wouldn't it? Yes, and it, it follows a decision made by the previous South Australian government, the South Australian Labor government, to implement a half-day public holiday on Christmas Eve, the Northern Territory Government then adopted that and now we see the Queensland Government picking up on this idea as well. But we've seen all of these other issues arise in recent years, the Footy Friday holiday mm. in Melbourne and, you know, where does it stop? That's right. Oh, well, we continue to fight the good fight on that one. It's not been locked in yet and we're certainly making some very high-level representations on that. So that's all for now. They're the three issues. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au. It's in the policy section under Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy. 
And thanks to Stephen Smith, Head of National Workplace Relations Policy at AI Group. Thanks and see you next time. Thank you.